Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for December 20th, 2022. This is Brian Kirk. As we close out the year, it's time to look forward and provide our economic outlook for 2023. What could inflation look like next year? How much higher could the Fed raise rates? How close are we to a recession? Joining us today to answer these questions, we have Chief Economist Kathy Boschancic, Deputy Chief Economist Brian Jordan, and Senior Economist Ben Ayers. And now, here's Kathy Boschancic. Well, thank you, Brian, and thank you, everyone, for, for joining us today. You know, as we look ahead to 2023, uh, maybe worth just summarizing a bit how 2022 played out in terms of, of growth. And it, the economy proved to be quite resilient. Overall GDP growth uh, likely to come in around 2%. Um, now that's meaningfully slower than the 5% plus growth rate we saw in 2021. But of course, 2021 was a, a rebound after the, the COVID recession. So we're ending 2022 on, on a strong note, but we do anticipate uh, unfortunately, the economic momentum is going to slow as we go into 2023. And we actually anticipate an, a recession that begins somewhere in, in the, the middle part of 2023. And there's many reasons for that and factors. We will talk about that throughout the podcast. But the, the overarching reason is that inflation continues to be stubbornly persistent. And the Federal Reserve believes that it's still well above its 2% target level um, and does not feel comfortable, even though we've seen some encouraging readings in in October and November, um, doesn't feel at all comfortable that we're on a secure path back to 2% over some period of time. And and in that sense, what they're looking to do, and we've heard from Chairman Powell uh, as part of the the latest um, policy meeting, is that they want to raise the policy rate to a level that is uh, sufficiently restrictive. And and what they want to do is restrain demand activity. The labor market, uh, which Ben will talk about, is, is remains incredibly um, still tight and, and still hot, in a sense, labor demand. But to cool that enough um, that it, it takes the pressure off of inflation. Yes, there are some supply chain components there in the supply chain issues have diminished. There's still there's still some in the system, but what all the Federal Reserve can do is try to slow down aggregate demand to take some of the uh, the air out of the, the inflation bubble. And in doing so, they, they don't want to engineer a recession and they don't want to see unemployment rise significantly, don't want people to lose their their jobs. But if if recession is the the only way to to slow inflation, they will take that route. Um, and the reason being, uh, which Chairman Powell and others have expressed multiple times, is that they feel having inflation linger beyond the next few years and remain at elevated level would be the worst outcome, and they would have failed as central bankers, and that would erode the economic outlook and prosperity for Americans, you know, well into even like looking into the you know middle part of the decade. So they don't want a repeat of the 1970s. So they've been very resolute and very clear. Uh, inflation is number one enemy. 
and and they need to to see that slow. Um, and in doing so, we think that they will end up raising the the Fed funds rate to a bit over five percent and and holding that throughout two thousand twenty three. And the combination of that and and companies losing some pricing power, uh, which and also consumers um, really largely extinguishing the excess savings that they accumulated during the pandemic, with most of that being diminished and the labor market eventually starting to um, cool, that, you know, that's going to restrain consumer spending, that's going to hurt corporate revenue, uh, corporations' revenue, and and profit margins start to to shrink. And therefore, what you see is earnings growth slow, and eventually earnings um, uh, growth actually decline outright. And that that's going to restrain employment and 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 actual capital expenditures, but it's really the employment component. Um, once that starts to to weaken, that's really going to be another negative feedback to consumers and consumer spending. Again, the Fed Reserve is hoping they're just taking some of the froth out of the labor market, not really dramatically hurting consumer spending. And, and then again, they're not aiming to send, send the economy into recession, but we just see the combination of restrictive policy, consumers, again, not having the wherewithal to continue to spend at the pace they have been. And with corporate profits slowing, then eventually contracting, that's going to lead to a moderate recession. We don't think it's going to be extremely prolonged or deep, but uh, moderate. And the, the Two things that per- help prevent it from being a deeper recession is that balance sheets, both the consumer and um, corporate balance sheets, um, still are overall in good shape and much better than when we normally are kind of heading into recession. But, you know, with that as sort of the, the overall backdrop, Ben, can you take us through a little bit more your your viewpoint on, you know, what how are labor market conditions now and, and where do we see them in 2023? Yeah, thanks, Kathy, and and great job walking us through you know the high level impacts of what we're expecting to see for the next year from the economy. And really, when I look at the economy at the end of 22, as we turn the page into 2023, the the labor market is still the aspect that sticks out as such a strong source of strength for the economy. You know, we're still at 3.7 percent for the unemployment rate here as of the the as of November. We're still seeing very strong wage wage gains and very strong job gains, and, and that's contributing to the growth that we're seeing across the economy because many consumers are still feeling pretty good about their financial situation because they're getting pretty good job situations and they're getting a lot more pay for their job that they have right now, and that's really continuing the economic strength into 2023. You know, we're seeing growth accelerate at the end of 2022. And I think that momentum, particularly within the labor market, is going to carry into 2023 and keep us going for a little while and likely postpone some of those recessionary conditions until later in 2023. Now, eventually, as you mentioned, Kathy, we're going to see things ease up within the labor market. To this point, most of the strong rate increases are only starting to hit business spending and business lending at now because it's been so front-loaded and so upfront over the past six months, you're not seeing too much of an impact on hiring decisions yet, but I think we will. And as we look into 2023, we're likely to see those job gains fade, uh, particularly in the first half of the year. They're probably going to still be positive, 
Um, but we will see some fading of demand and those job openings will come down. We're, we're going to see many businesses decide to tighten the belts a little bit and, and cut back on hiring because that's your most important expense when you're a business is the people that you have. And so because of that, we are likely to see an easing of labor market conditions and eventually an increase in the unemployment rate as we look over 2023. I think right now, again, we're sitting at 3.7% for the unemployment rate. By the end of next year, we're likely to be over 5% for the unemployment rate. Now, that's a meaningful increase, but yet again, nothing like what we've seen over prior downturns. You think back to the great financial crisis where the unemployment rate spiked above 10% and remained above 8% for a few years. And especially during the COVID-19 downturn, during the lockdowns, you know, the unemployment rate spiked almost to 20%. Uh, and we saw very high levels of unemployment at that stage. You know, not likely to see that this time around. There's still a lot of good momentum for the labor market. And that's going to keep the downside, we think, for the likely recession that we'll see next year and into early 2024 to be pretty moderate, uh, pretty mild to moderate, much more in line with what we typically see for downturns and nothing like what we've seen over the past couple cycles. So I think that's really still our, our main silver lining and our main upside is because of the strength of the labor market. And while we do expect that to turn and we're likely to see job losses, that's just what we typically see during a downturn. I think it's going to be relatively minimalized, especially with compared to some of the, the prior cycles that we've gone through over the past 10 to 15 years. Brian, you know, the, this is the one of the key parts for the Fed is what's going on with the labor market. The other side is is the inflation discussion. Can you walk us through what we see likely for inflation over the next year and obviously what impact that has on the Fed and on the rate environment that we expect across the economy? So the Fed has had some success on the inflation front. The CPI on an annual basis has slowed from 9.1% earlier this year to 7.1% as of November. But Jerome Powell said after the last FOMC meeting of 2022 in in mid-December that the Fed has consistently expected inflation to be weaker or had consistently expected inflation to come in weaker than it did Um, through much of this year. Um, So inflation has been a constant source of upside surprise for the Fed and a constant source of monetary tightening. As we move forward, however, we're seeing some early signs that inflation is pulling back. The decline to this point has been driven very much by the good side of the equation. But we've even seen some evidence of slowing on the services side as well. Um, The November CPI report was a fairly broad-based deceleration and an encouraging sign that we're going to see more slowdown in 2023. Typically, inflation doesn't peak until we get into a recession. Inflation is a lagging indicator. The services side of the inflation metrics is especially lagging. Inflation didn't peak until We got into the 1980 recession. It didn't peak until we were in the 1990-1991 recession. It didn't peak until we were in the 2007 to 2009 recession. Now we see some very strong evidence that it's peaked well before a a presumptive recession in 2023. 
this is a sign that much of the, uh, at least a significant portion of the pickup in 2021 and 2022 has been idiosyncratic, hasn't been driven by typical cyclical factors, which again would have the inflation rate continuing to rise into the subsequent subsequent downturn. That's an encouraging sign that we're going to see further uh, pullbacks in 2023. We've already seen some of those pandemic-driven categories, used cars, airfares, for example, health insurance, show some sizable declines in recent months. And in the case of a few of these categories, declines that still don't put them anywhere near where they were in uh, the pre-pandemic period. So still some more to come in some of these measures. So there's a good chance we're going to see um, softer inflation in 2023, perhaps significantly softer inflation in 2023. That allows the Fed to eventually wrap up its tightening cycle. That also allows long-term interest rates perhaps to stop their ascent. Long-term interest rates in recent months have been moving to the downside in an environment where the Fed may still raise rates further in 2023. There is some some room to the upside from here. But as the Fed finally does bring this tightening cycle to a conclusion, history says that long-term rates will stop, stop rising. And as we move eventually towards the next easing cycle, whenever that may be, long-term rates should start to come down again. So in that light, Ben, I'll turn it back over to you. What does the housing market have in store for it in 2023 after a very rocky 2022? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, as you said, you know, strong sensitivity to the interest rate environment, particularly within the housing sector, but also within the auto sector. And, you know, we saw that, you know, the housing entered a contraction this year, well ahead of where the overall economy has, uh, with you know most sales dropping every month since the peak that we had for the year in January. And so, you know, I think that as you mentioned, there's still some upside potential for rates as we look into the first half of 2023. And so we're probably not at the bottom yet for housing. I think we're likely to see sales continue to erode over the next three to six months and we'll, we'll probably bottom out in the first half of 2023. Um, so that's the downside. And the, uh, companies with a very strong pullback on the pricing front, you know, we've seen very strong price gains over the past couple of years. We're starting to see those price declines come through the data. And, and I think when you look over 2023 from now to the end of next year, Prices on average are going to be flat um, across the overall national landscape. But obviously, when you look in individual markets, especially some of those that really ran up over the course of the past couple of years during the pandemic with very strong demand driven by the disruption caused by the pandemic, um, we're going to see some markets are going to see sizable declines. And again, I think at an average level, Prices will be flat over the next year after a modest dip in the first half of the year. But still, I think some markets are going to see some pretty sizable declines. So the first half of the year, and especially for the housing market, is likely to be very, very rough. But as you've mentioned, I think by the end of next year, you're going to see those rates start to come back to earth. Uh, you know, right now, the 30-year fixed mortgage rate is, you know, six and a half percent or so. I think by the end of next year, we're down to six percent or a little bit below. So you're still meaningfully higher than where rates have been for several the past several years. But I think as those rates start to come down, you're going to see demand come back online. There's still a lot of people that are looking for housing. They just can't afford it right now. 
And eventually when you start to see some relief, particularly on the rate front, I think we're going to see a resurgence in some activity. Now it's going to be steady. It's not going to come all the way back right at once. So I think that when you look over the course of 23 and likely even into 2024, you know, that level of sales activity is still going to be relatively subdued. Um, but I think you're going to start to see some rebound in the housing sector as you look towards the second half of next year. And particularly in 2024, if the Fed does start to ease then and you start to see many of these interest rates start to pull back even more, I think we're going to see some further rebound in the sector as we look forward. But yet again, pretty much a, a pretty rough 23 is the expectation as well for the housing market, especially focused on the first half of the year. Um, now, when you look at autos, a little bit of a different story, but you know we're already starting at a very low level, mainly because of supply constraints, not because of anything on the demand side of things. And so as we're starting to see supply of new vehicles start to pick up, I still think we're going to see some relatively positive sales growth for autos over the next year. Now, yet again, it's not going to surge. We're not going to see a huge run up. Uh, I think over the next year, we might see about 14 and a half million sales or so, which is a little bit higher than where we were in 2022. And usually that kind of runs counter to what we typically see, where if we see a downturn or if we see a sharp rise in interest rates, you're going to see uh, those auto sales fall. But I think given the current environment and just the pent up demand from over the past couple of years for autos, we're still going to see many people uh, come into the auto market and finally buy that vehicle they've been waiting to find for the last couple of years. Now, yet again, 14 and a half, 15 million for next year. That's still well below pre-COVID levels, which are more like 16 to 17 million unit sales. So we're, we're not up to those levels and still relatively subdued from a sales environment. But I think that there's still some potential lift for sales, especially on the auto front, as you look forward over 23. And again, as we get into 24, probably some further gains from there. Um, Kathy, I want to throw it back to you. Uh, some final thoughts on what we see for 2023. In particular, I'm curious your thoughts on any upside-downside risk. I think we've laid out a pretty good outlook for where we see the baseline forecast. Well, what are our upsides? What are our downsides that either could make a uh, potential soft landing actually occur or maybe actually see the recession be a little deeper than what we expect right now? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, yeah, good points and a good way to end uh, our discussion. You know, I think on the upside, you know, are there legitimate uh, chances of a soft landing? Uh, I think there are, but as Chairman Powell said, the, the path to that is narrowing, and the reason being that you know interest rates are going to have to go and, and and stay quite high. But you know, perhaps if you look at the what the bond market uh, is is expecting is that. Rates don't quite get to 5%. And actually, in the second half of the year, the Federal Reserve is going to be cutting rates. And, and maybe the reason, if we want to look at the optimistic uh, reason behind, behind that, is that maybe inflation uh, decelerates even more quickly than we expect. And, and as Brian talked about, it has come down quite nicely. Um, we're down two full percentage points. It's really been concentrated in the good sector, but we're seeing some encouraging sign on the, on the service side. Rental prices are going to come down. That's a big part of service costs. And, and that the Fed just kind of takes some of the froth of the labor market, what you were talking about, Ben, um, get the, the job openings going down, but you don't see a, a large rise in the unemployment rate. Um, instead of going to above 5% or so in our forecast, then maybe they get to you know a little bit over 45 or so. On the downside, um, given that we, we see a mild to moderate recession, you know, it could it could be that inflation proves to be even more stubborn than than expected, and certainly more than the markets think. And then that could have a, a negative feedback 
through financial markets, financial market conditions tightening, um, and then also corporations needing to to pause and reevaluate where things stand in terms of the outlook um, and maybe reevaluating if labor costs, let's say, remain really high. Right now, average hourly earnings are running well above 5% pre-pandemic, they were 3%. So that cost pressure is still there. So in a nutshell, there's there's plenty of, plenty of things to think about as we go into 2023, and, and there are upside and, and downside risks. This is such a unique business cycle um, that we have to be attuned, and, and we will be. We'll be watching the, the incoming data very closely um, as we sort of sharpen our pencils and adjust our outlook uh, for next year. But I want to thank uh, both you know Ben and, and Brian for joining on the podcast today and thank you all for listening in and hope everyone has a very happy and healthy holiday season and and start to the new year thank you kathy and thank you brian and ben as well that's going to wrap it up for today join us next time as we look beyond the pages of the nationwide market insights report for q1 2023 with its author brian jordan make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as each episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.